What did you think when you saw the word God in the 12 steps? Did you think you would be forced to believe in some particular religion? Or did you think you couldn't find help because you didn't believe in God? Welcome to episode 143 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Jonathan. He used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Jonathan, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. And I had actually planned a different topic for today's show, but the arrangements for that topic are taking longer than I had expected. So today I want to share with you two open talks from a session titled, God of Our Understanding, and I did mention these in last week's show. I'll present them here without comment. Like, I started laughing, right? Because, uh, like, at the time, I was, like, going through some stuff, uh, like, going through some changes in my beliefs, right? Uh, and I want to I wanna thank, uh, you know, the programming committee, like, uh, not just, like, for asking me to share, but it's like, I've never seen a programming committee be more vigilant. You know, like, uh, if, if you if you share out here, you know, like, I got, like, a phone call every couple of months. I got texts, like, every couple of months. And it's like, uh, like, I knew that when I showed up here, there was going to be some other motherfuckers here, right? Because, uh, <laughs> like, half the time when people ask me to share, I'm like, oh, I'm going to show up there and nobody's going to fucking be there. And, like, uh, so, and I also want to thank, like, uh, you know, like the people who made this convention possible, and like I don't hear this a lot, right? Like, because uh, because that's the newcomer. You know, like shit. Like people don't do shit like this. You know, addicts don't do shit like this unless we have like somebody to give something away to, right? Like this stuff only happens because of the newcomer. You know, so like uh, I want to welcome anybody who's new. I want to thank you for being here because I I remember this. When I was like uh, a brand new in my first meeting, man, there was a guy who was sharing about like uh, uh, he was thanking the group for his recovery, right? He was like, uh, you know, y'all y'all did this, right? And I remember being new and thinking, not me, you know. So like, I want to let anybody who's new know that like uh, when I talk about you know like when I thank people for my recovery, I'm talking to you too, because I have a sponsor who told me like uh, we practice, you know, we practice. Because we never know who's going to walk in the door. Uh, and so, like, uh, I have to keep that in mind. Like, uh, the attitude is yet to walk in the doors. You know, like, the work I do today might, like, help them to find recovery tomorrow. So, like, uh, my topic is the God of our understanding. And, like, uh, man, that's, the, hey, this is a sensitive subject for some people. <laughs> Right. Like, like, I believe this, man. I believe this. When I'm talking about my higher power, I can practice some anonymity, you know, like uh, and it's not because like uh, I don't want to tell you all what I believe in. Right. But it's like uh, 
I want to, I want people to feel like they have the opportunity to recover in here. You know, and it's like, in my home group, we don't always practice anonymity with our higher power. And people were saying some shit that I did not agree with when I first got clean, right? And I felt uncomfortable. I felt like I was going to have to join in on whatever y'all believe because that's what was expressed in the meetings. You know, and like when I was new, if you had clean time and you're, you know, like you were talking, like, uh, you had authority, right? Like I didn't know that I was equal. I didn't know that shit, you know, so like, uh, it's very easy to like get confused about like our, our total, you know, like, like our total freedom to the God of our own understanding. It's total and without any catches, right? Uh, and, and, and I say all that because like Narcotics Anonymous is the thing that let me know that I had that freedom. Uh, because like when I was growing up, I didn't know I had that freedom, right? Uh, when I was seven years old, it was like, uh, I was told what God was and then I had to like surrender everything to God. And it was like, I never built, you know, like my relationship with God and active addiction was I would wake up, I would pray for him to kill me and then I'll be like, fuck you. And then I'll get loaded, mm. you know, like, and I practiced that for a couple years, for a couple years. Cause I wanted to die the whole time I was getting high. I wanted to die. Right. Uh, and so when I made it to the rooms, right, like, uh, man, when I w was not, when I was in treatment, like, uh, suddenly I like found God, right? Uh, this is funny shit. This is funny shit, right? Because like, uh, man, when I cleaned up, I was like, I was, I was, I was very like, uh, faithful to a specific God. That's what I, you know, I, I said I believed all this shit, right? Uh, but like whenever I, whenever I would use the word God, we have a just for today called the G word. It says we use this word for the sake of convenience, right? Uh, and so like I was using the word God for the sake of convenience because what I really meant was me. You know, like, uh, cause, and, and it was like evident that I thought I was God because like, uh, every time, you know, every time, like, uh, uh I had to make a decision. Like, I always fell back on self-will. Like, no matter what. Like, I was very faithful to my own fucking will, right? Uh, and like, uh, I was very controlling. You know, like, 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 and so it was real cool coming to meetings, talk about God, say you believe in God, but it's like, how am I living? You know, people tend to live what they believe, right? And so like, uh, I was saying all this stuff, but like, I was living like I believed in me. You know, like, uh, like I believed in me. And so like, man, that, that took some time, right? When I worked my second step, like I wrote down characteristics, you know, that my higher power has and what it doesn't have. Right. Uh, and that didn't tell me who God was. That told me what my values were. Right. Like I had some values that I had been neglecting in active addiction, you know, like practicing spiritual principles doesn't make us spiritual at all. Instead, we're awakening to what's been going on inside us our entire lives. Right. Uh, and so like when I came into the rooms, I was like at odds with myself. You know, and I didn't even know that I had been living this way for so long, you know, like living against like something that was going on inside of me. Right. Uh, and so when I worked the second step, I found out like, hey, look, I got all this shit that I believe in, you know, and I told my sponsor this stuff. So I can't continue to act like I don't believe in this shit anymore. There's something about staying clean that makes me feel it when my parents cry, you know, like uh, so suddenly I got a fucking conscious fact. Right. Um, and so like, uh. Man, through working, working the second step, it's like I, I, I got these principles, you know, like, uh, and, and I started to try and live by them. I didn't do very well, you know, like, uh, cause I mean, I was nuts when I was new and I, I was like very afraid. I was like really afraid when I was new, 
you know, and like I didn't know how to like let anybody know that, so I just seemed like real angry. But it's like I didn't share my first year clean, you know, in meetings I didn't share at all, right? Like I didn't hand out readings, I didn't give out key tags, I didn't share meetings, you know, like, uh, and it wasn't because like uh, I was I was like I I didn't want to do that stuff. I was too scared to do that stuff, right? Uh, because I hated myself when I got here, man. So, like, the cool piece about it is this, you know, like, uh, we talk about, like, God doing for us what we find impossible to do for ourselves, you know, and it was like, I could not <laughs> open my mouth in the meetings, right? But, like, when I worked the third step, uh, it talked about, like, a commitment to my own physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being, and, uh, like, when I started to live that step, I started to become a part of Narcotics Anonymous. And I worked my third step when I had, like, a year clean. And I don't know if that fits your timetable or not, right? But that's, like, when it happened for me. And, I like, I value my experience, man. I value my experience. You know, like, uh, and so, like, uh, I started to participate in meetings. Uh, I started sharing at meetings and stuff. And it was, like, terrifying. But, like, uh, as it was, like, as long as I was willing to practice... As long as I was willing to practice, I, I somehow I found a way to like make it through that stuff, right? Um, and over time, it got easier, man. Cause like, like I started, you know, like I, I fell in love with Narcotics Anonymous as soon as I started to participate, right? Um, you know, and, and I don't think I was really working with the God for like a very long time. I, ha you know, I had a higher power, right? It was like the group, you know, like uh, it was like the steps, um, because. Again, like I can say all this stuff about, you know, like, like this God, but, but really what was going on was like I was making a commitment to recovery, you know, like I was practicing some fidelity to recovery. And so like, uh, uh, there really wasn't too much of a relationship going on. Plus I was nuts, man. I was so nuts. And it was like, every time I tried to pray, I was just like thinking weird bullshit, you know, like, uh, but, uh, man, after, I, after that third step, man, I started to get involved and it's like, uh, I say all that stuff because today it's like any time that I share, any time that I share, that's evidence of a loving God working in my life. Uh, because like uh, I'm doing something that I never could have done before. You know, like I'm doing something that I just couldn't fucking do before. And it's like when people look at me, you know, like I do H&I, you know, I'm like involved in service and stuff. And it's like when people it don't bother me that y'all are looking at me right now. Right. Like uh, but I used to feel like I was going to combust, you know, like because uh, like self-obsession, self-obsession was like so rampant in me, you know, like uh, and I really like it wasn't even like a conscious uh, like conscious thinking that I believed I was the center of the universe. It was like ingrained in, it was like how I felt, you know, like, uh, and so, so, so it, it like, uh, it took like doing some service work to get out of that stuff, right? Like our negative sense of self has been replaced by a positive concern for others. Um, and like, uh, so, so getting involved in service, I believe like service work is how I, I, I came to really like, um, get in touch with my spirit and find the God of my understanding. Uh, and the reason for that is like this, right? Like, um, I remember the first time I didn't feel empty anymore in the rooms. Uh, there was like, uh, man, I, I gotta say this. Uh, I used to come to youth meetings, right? Uh, I, 
This is my personal beliefs. Feel free to disagree, whatever. I don't agree with that shit no more. Like, I don't make youth meetings. I'm not trying to limit the experience I get in a meeting. Our diversity is our strength. Why would I want to do that? Like, I, I just don't believe in that stuff no more, you know. But, like, when I was 16, I used to come to the regular meetings, and they would be like, the youth meetings are over there, you know. Like, uh, and, like, for man, I cleaned up with my dad. I had a hard time, like, like finding my place in the rooms. I cleaned up with my dad. He's got five less days than I do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for a while, for a while, I, when I came to the meetings, I used to be Jerry's kid. You know, like I wasn't Kevin, I was Jerry's kid, right? Uh, that was fucked up. Uh, <laughs> and you know, like I used to be sitting in the meetings waiting for my sponsor and they'd be like, the youth meeting is over there, you know? And I was like, okay, I don't belong in here, I guess, right? So I used to make youth meetings. Man, oh my God, youth meetings are terrible. And I like sponsoring half the people in there. Uh, <laughs> I used to come into these meetings, right? We don't smoke in our building. It's illegal to smoke inside of uh, the building that we're at in Tyler, right? I used to come into these meetings, uh, these youth meetings that were in a separate room, and all my sponsees would be smoking cigarettes in the room, and they'd be like, oh, Kevin's here. we got to have a meeting, right? They used to piss me off. I talked to my sponsor about it. He's like, man, it's a good thing they believe in you like that. You know, they know when you're here, it's time to have a meeting. Uh, but like, uh, uh, man, I was in, I was going to these youth meetings and like, uh, the, the home group asked me to speak. They wanted youth speakers, right? And I, I called, man, I called my sponsor. I was like, what is this bullshit? Why am I a youth speaker? Why can't I just be a speaker, right? He, and he was like, I was talking to my sponsor. He was telling me this. He was like, I was talking to my sponsor. He said, if maybe if you don't want to be a youth speaker, stop making a fucking youth meeting. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there was this, this girl, she was like my best friend at the time. Uh, and she shared, she shared, she was sharing, uh, there too. She shared before me, right? Uh, and, and I'll never forget this moment, man, because I remember listening to her share and being like so proud and so grateful. And like that was the moment, like that was, that was the first time I can remember that I felt my spirit. Because any other time, it's like, if she's sharing before me, I hope she does fucking poorly, you know, because I want to cheer good and everybody's like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and that, that's really how I felt. It's really how I felt, you know, and, and, and it was like, it was like, I just experienced something I had never, you know, like, cause I had felt empty my entire life. You know, I was using before I picked up and, 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 and even, even when I was clean, like my first year clean, it was like, I just felt, I felt like something was missing in me, man. You know, like it talks about a spiritual void in our literature, that feeling of emptiness or loneliness, right? Like I couldn't wake up, uh, without feeling like I needed to go get something to change the way I felt. Man, I, when I was new, I used to like sleep. Right. I would wake up and be like, fuck this and go back to sleep. You know, like I just I really just didn't want to be alive. But like I, I had kind of made a commitment, you know, like stay clean, whatever. You know, like uh, I, I did the whole suicide attempt stuff. I was very like terrible at that. Like I was trying to like drown myself. You can't fucking drown yourself in a bathtub. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm smart. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, but I, I remember, I remember, I remember like watching her share and being so proud of her, man. And it was like, I felt connected. I felt connected for the first time. Right. Uh, and like, uh, you know, I, I, that, that feeling like grew from there. Cause every time I like worked with somebody new, 
you know, like, like, you know how it is. You hear somebody share and they were like talking about steps and traditions and they're like really passionate about program. And it's like, you just feel hope for the first time. And I felt hope for like the first time in that meeting, man. And it wasn't even about what she was saying. It was just like, uh, like I wasn't in competition anymore, right? Like, uh, and it was like I started to get connected, you know, like, like find the unity in the rooms, right? Like I started to find some unity. Cause like that was like the moment when I realized like I need, I need help, you know, like I, I need to listen to these people, you know, like it's important for me to like, uh, when I go to meetings, like listen. Cause when I used to go to meetings, man, I would stare at the floor. We got like oil stains and stuff at, at the old hall. We had like oil stains and stuff at the floor. I don't know if you've ever looked at the clouds and like try to make pictures and stuff but that's what i did in meetings i just like stared at the floor and tried to like make up pictures out of the oil stains on the floor uh and it's like you don't really hear much when you're doing that right uh and it talks about like uh how like the ability to listen grows as we grow spiritually and like that was that was what was going on with me you know like uh i i i learned how to listen a little bit better man and so like uh I really have developed a relationship with the God of my understanding through like being a service and like practicing the steps, you know, and it's like, uh, I, I, uh, like a lot of the steps have brought me closer to God, you know, like, uh, when I worked the seventh step, you know, like I struggle with control, right? Uh, and another look talks about like, uh, like how our need for control comes from a fear of losing control. You know, and it's like, uh, so a lot of the time that I spent in early recovery, I was like out of control with being in control type shit. I was always angry. I was always like hurting people and stuff because for, for whatever reason, I believed in uh, justice. And like I was a person who was supposed to dispense that shit. Like, uh, you know, like, like just balance, just make everything fair. Like everything's got to be fair. If you fucking hurt my feelings, I got to hurt your feelings. And like in an amount that I feel is equivalent to the harm that you caused me. Right. Like, uh, and like, man, through, through working the steps, it's like, I, 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 I learned how to surrender. Right. Cause like in step seven, it talks about, like, uh, it, it, it kind of introduces the idea of like getting out of the way so God can do God's work. Uh, and I never believed that things were going to be taken care of unless I took care of them. You know, like, uh, and like I did a poor job of that. Like I took care of myself very poorly, you know, like, uh, so obviously it was like, well, if I can't do it, nobody can. Right. Uh, but I believed that there was something greater than myself that could help me to recover. You know, so it's like, uh, I chose, I, I, when I was working that step, man, it was like, uh, uh, I, I, I learned a lot about surrender and humility because, like, uh, I, I had to learn how to stop trying to remove my defects on my own, you know, like, uh, to allow those things to be removed, right? Like, God's work happens in God's time. Uh, and so, like, because uh, I remember, uh, see, my first year, it was like I really wasn't involved. And then the next year, I got really involved. And suddenly it's like I'm like one of one of three people that reads the literature at my home group. And like uh, I started getting real judgmental when people shared. Right. Like that's fucked up. That's wrong. You can't say that in a meeting, stuff like that. Like when I well, when I got two and a half years and I got a little more self-esteem or arrogance, whatever you want to call it. I started like calling people out when they shared and stuff or sharing after them, you know, like they would share and then I would share. And it's like I would just like, you know. Uh, edit what they said, you know, like just kind of, because <laughs> I'm responsible for the atmosphere of recovery, right? <laughs> and the and the best way to keep an atmosphere of recovery is like just to just to you know like be an asshole. Uh, that's, 
that's a, that, that's a popular belief around here sometimes. Uh, you know, like, uh, I'm just, that's my experience. That's my experience. I, I don't mind it. You could be an asshole to me. That's cool. Like, because it doesn't bother me anymore, right? Like, uh, you know, like self-acceptance comes from within, all that stuff. But, like, uh, you know, it might be a little harmful to the newcomer. You know, third tradition talks about an invitational tone. Telling somebody to shut the fuck up ain't very inviting. That's right. Um, that's right. Man, and I want to say this uh, because, like, uh, man, through 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 the work that I've done in Narcotics Anonymous and working the steps, like, I've learned to believe, like, uh, it, whatever your higher power is, you know, if it works, like, I believe you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, 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 I don't really think, like, uh, you know, people are wrong. You know, like, because I have my own individual belief, my own individual spiritual path and stuff like that. I don't believe other people who have a different spiritual path are incorrect. You know, I believe, like, it's, I'm supposed to be open-minded to that stuff. Like, like, uh, cause those people offer solutions maybe I don't offer. You know, those people reach people maybe I don't reach. And so it's, and that's, that's stuff I need to hear. You know, like, like, cause, cause, Man, this is like a, a program for learning, right? And it's like this is a progressive disease, you know, like even during periods of abstinence. And so it's like if I'm not learning, you know, like I'm really back in like slowly committing suicide, even if I'm not getting high, you know, mm -hmm. and I've I've experienced that stuff, man. When I'm not active in the program, like I'll get to a place and it's like I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't do anything right, I don't take care of myself, you know, and it's like uh, my sponsor always said, like, if I want to stop feeling like a piece of shit, I need to stop acting like a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, like, uh, you know, that's important. And that's kind of like in the third step, man. It's like uh, it talks about, you know, like I was saying earlier about a commitment to our well-being, you know. Uh, and, and, and it's like if, if I believe if I if I really believe in a loving God, if I really believe in a loving, caring God, uh, like, why wouldn't why wouldn't I act in, in like uh, why wouldn't I put myself in that God's care? You know, like if I really believe that stuff, why wouldn't I do that? You know, like. Uh, that's like insanity to me, you know, like it really is because like, uh, man, every time, every time I let go of stuff, every time I practice surrender or faith, you know, like, uh, like whatever it is, like things seem to work out better than I could have imagined them. You know, it's kind of like when I came to the steps, right? Like whatever I was expecting, I didn't get that. I got something like far greater, right? Uh, like I, man, uh, Thursday night. There's this new group, uh, it's in Van, Texas. They just started having meetings, you know, and like, uh, we got one key holder, and like, uh, the woman who has the key, she was like six, so she asked me to come unlock the door, and I was like, I was like real fucking tired, and I was like, man, before the meeting, I was like, man, I hope nobody shows up, right? I was like, I hope nobody shows up, I just wanna go home and go to sleep, and like, uh, we get there, and, uh, there, there's two women there, uh, and one of them, like, she was like, oh, you go to Sundown Ranch, because that's where I do H&I at, right? Uh, and so she had been in there when I had, like, like done H&I out there. Uh, and, 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 you know, like, this other, this other girl was, like, her first meeting. She'd never been to a meeting before. Mm. You know, she'd been using it for, like, 19 years. She'd never been to a meeting. Uh, and, like, uh, you know, I unlocked the door, and we had a meeting, and it was like, uh, man, she, th th this newcomer woman was just talking about, you know, like, like, like all the stuff that, you know, having feelings that are overwhelming. She don't know if she can stay clean, right? But she really wants to stay clean. You know, like, like, it was like she was reading our literature and she hadn't even seen it yet. You know, like, uh, 
And and it was like I gave her for the newcomer, you know, because that part about feelings, right? Like uh, like facing our feelings, you know, like they can do us no harm as long as we don't act on them, right? Uh, and like uh, you know, I, I I talked to her. She like got got a number from uh, uh, another addict who went with me to that meeting. Uh, I didn't give my number because I don't do that to newcomer women. Uh, but like, uh, you know, it was like, I was in that meeting, as soon as I got in that meeting, I was like so grateful that I came, you know, and before I was like, I don't want to fucking go. And that seems to be like, every time I make some progress, like spiritually I grow, it's like, that seems to be what's going on. Like before I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this. And then as soon as I do it, it's like, why didn't I do this shit earlier? You know, like, um, but there's like, uh, there's like some stuff. Uh, I wanted to read. I don't know if I'm going to read all of it, but like, uh, I want to say this, man, because I was talking about the newcomer earlier, and it's like, uh, like, like, I believe my connection to a higher power is like, uh, one of the things that allows me to be open minded when it comes to new people, right? Um, and I, I don't, I don't believe that newcomers should like shut up. You know, I might see because because it's one thing to like go to a group where there's a lot of people with experience with the steps and stuff like that. My group ain't like that. You come to my group like uh, like like new beginnings in Tyler. OK, cool. Man, does not seem like it's been that long. y'all. Uh, but like like new beginnings in Tyler, it's like you come to our meetings like you may not you may or may not hear about Narcotics Anonymous. You know, like that's just the way it is. Right. Like I'm not saying it's fucked up that's how i feel uh but uh like uh, you may or may not hear about that and the people who are really passionate about program is not really our old timers you know we got a lot of we got a couple complacent people but there are some new people who like really care right and so if we told our newcomers to shut the fuck up we couldn't have a meeting no more um and like uh man this is what i wanted to read and it's like out of our second tradition right um and it talks about like uh uh it says a higher power works through us all regardless of clean time or experience. Mm. You know, and it's like, that's very important to me uh, because I didn't feel like I had a right to come to group conscience when I was new. Uh, I didn't feel like I had a right to come to any of the subcommittees when I was new. I didn't feel like I had a right to participate in Narcotics Anonymous Service when I was new because I was new and everything I thought was fucked up, right? Um, but it's like... Uh, Man, it's important to, like, it's important to encourage the newcomer to come be a part of that stuff. Anyway. <laughs> man, uh, I'm grateful to be here. I'm glad I got to share with y'all. Uh, it was, man, I was expecting that to seem a lot longer than it did. But, uh, I'm glad to be here, man. That's all I got. All right, brother. Thank you, sir. Uh, our next speaker. Our next speaker is Jim Yates from Albuquerque. He will be talking uh, about step four. That, that, my name is Jimmy. I'm an addict. That may not be the topic I talk about. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have a warm-up story. First of all, I want to thank Kevin again. What a! I want you to come to Albuquerque and tell us your story, man. You guys didn't see his book when he opened it up. I saw that shit. He had every line in that book underlined. Every line on that. I said, "That's me. 
That's me. I go to highlight something in our book, and the whole damn book is highlighted. So thank you, brother, man. I would have scooted over and let you kept going, man. He was on a roll, wasn't he? Give him a hand again. That, that passion woke me up. That woke me up, you know, because, guys, I got to, and I'm emotional today. I, I got emotional last night, and I was thinking about, fuck, did we get clean? An addict? Any addict, we can change the way we feel, the way we act, the way we perceive things. Unbelievable. I've been clean for a while. And when I got to Narcotics Anonymous, guys, I had no hope and no dreams. None. I didn't know. I didn't think I was good enough to join this fellowship. You guys look good. I come to my first meeting and I didn't feel like I belonged. You know, and I didn't think you guys were going to let me in. And I didn't think that I could ever, ever, ever get clean. I just didn't see how. I, I, I saw no way out. None. If you're new here, welcome. Welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. You know, <clears throat> when they called me, I, I wasn't scheduled for this. I'm a shoe-in. God picked me up yesterday and and uh, decided that I need to share today. <clears throat> So I get a phone call. I'm trying to park this rental car. I'm cockeyed in the parking place. I'm trying to back out. This fucker's honking his horn at me. And, and this guy's trying to ask if I'm going to share uh, today. And I said, yeah, what's the topic? And he said, uh, and then Rena said, mate, well, just drive the car, man. And we're, we have all this confusion going on. I said, what's the topic? And he said, the gifts of recovery. I'm thinking, yeah, I could do that. And then I read this morning on the on the marquee, and it says the four step. And I'm thinking, shit, there ain't nobody gonna be there. I'm gonna talk about whatever I want to talk about. So I don't know if you guys come to hear about God, but I'd like I, I like that. Or you come to hear about the four step. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're here, and 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 we're gonna hear what we need to hear. I'm gonna share what I need to share, and. Uh, I'm proud to be a part of this convention, Esperanza. Esperanza, you white folks know what that means, man? That's hope. That's hope. That's we get here with no hope, man. Um, when I first got to Narcotics Anonymous, I was afraid to take the steps, you know. And and when and and, and in order to, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on the four step. I'm gonna talk about it because I got some things to share about that. But I want to talk about before you get to the four step, you got to take first. There's three other ones. There's three steps that are ahead of that four step that are gonna lay the foundation so that we have some some honesty and some and some connection and 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 some ability. To, to, to go on even when we don't see the right way. To go on with this fellowship, go on with this program. But I got to Narcotics Anonymous and, and it says, uh, uh, most of us don't have to think twice. Who is an addict? Y'all heard that one? Most of us don't have to think twice. That's not true. Most of us better think twice because I didn't think I was an addict. Did, did you guys get her thinking you were addicts? No, shit, no. You know, you know what? And, and, and I, I don't think it matters what drug you used when you, t to get here, but, but I, I'm a speed freak. I, 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 uh, anybody else out here shoot speed? I'm the only fucking one. Me and you, me and you, I got a chair right here, buddy. Come on, man, we're all we got. So when I got to, and the only reason I say that is because there's another speed freak out here that don't know how to stay clean, and they're gonna follow my taillights. 
because that's what this program is about. And I know what our literature says. I, I know. You know, our disease is about addiction. It's not about the substance. And our problem is about the addiction, not the drugs. But let me tell you, when I got to Narcotics Anonymous, my problems was shooting speed. That's what got me here. I got here through a penal system. I, I didn't want to get clean. I did not want to get clean, guys. I, I didn't. I wasn't sick and tired of using, you know. I really wasn't sick and tired of digging in the carpet either, man. That didn't bother me. It was kind of embar- it was kind of embarrassing, you know. It was like I don't know why I did that shit. There was no dope down there, but but I would be digging in that carpet, and I don't know if they still use styrofoam on the ceilings or not. But I'd find a big one, man. And, and I'm thinking, hell yeah. And then I would put it in a spoon, and nothing would happen. And then I'd start banging it, man. And then I'd draw it up, and then I'd shoot it, man. And that's how I got to Narcotics Anonymous, guys. And uh, so I share about that because when when I read who is I heard you guys say who is an addict, I'm I'm like thinking not me. You know what I thought it said? And this is no bullshit. And I'm not trying to pick uh, pick on any drug uh, person or whatever. But you know what I thought it said? I thought it said, who is a heroin addict? I said, no, I'm not a fucking heroin addict. I don't get sick. So I almost didn't get this deal, guys. I almost didn't get it because my thinking got in the way. And and I'm going somewhere with this. And then when I get to the second step, I love the way you talked about this guy because I want that topic. I want to talk about a scared little dope fiend that don't believe in God whose sponsor said, get on your fucking knees and pray anyhow. You don't have to believe in God. That's how my sponsor talked to me. You know, he said, you don't have to believe in God. Just get on your knees and pray. And guys, God came later. God come to me. I didn't have to chase something around the room. I believe because you believe. I believe because you believe. I remember in early, I, I just believed because you believed. And, and uh, hell, man, just don't make me go to church on Sundays. That's what I was afraid of. I was afraid you were going to make me wear a little bow tie and go to, and go to church on Sunday and sit in the front row and pee before you go in there. That's what I thought you guys were going to take me. And, and, and then I get to a third step. And my sponsor, God, my first sponsor, Butch C. Fort Worth, Texas. Man, I'm going to give Butch a shout out because Butch was direct with me. He did not, he did not beat around the bush. And, and, and when I went to take a third step, the first thing out of his mouth, and guess what I tell my sponsees? What's the first thing out of my mouth when I get in there with them on third step? Butch threw me off course. He looked at me. I looked at him. And I'm thinking, okay, you're, well, I want to take a third step. And then he asked me, he said, why? Why do you want to take a third step? He threw me so far off, guys. I was like, well, shit. It's the one after two. You know, I took a second. It's time. It's time for three. <laughs> and you know, I don't know what Butch thought, and and and, uh, uh, and and what he did was he said, "No, you want to take a third step because your way don't work." And I'm like, "No shit." He caught me off guard. I didn't understand. I'd read the third step. I heard it in meetings every damn night, over and over again. And, and, and I didn't really want to take a third step. What I wanted, guys, I wanted what you had. I wanted the life you had. Hell, I wanted the Nikes you were wearing. 
I wanted to. I wanted that leather. I wanted that car with the leather seats you were driving, man. I wanted that job that you had. You know, I wanted that house. You know, I wanted to pay my electric bill on time. I wanted to get my gas cut back on. That's the shit I wanted. You know, I wanted. You know, guess what I wanted most in recovery, guys? Guess what? What my highest aspiration was when I got to NA. This was as big as I could dream. I wanted to pee in that cup and it be clean. That's all I wanted. If you guys were not hadn't been on probation, you might not understand that, you know. But that was a big deal for a little dope fiend like me because that was that's how I got here. So when Butch asked me, he said, "Why do you want to take it? Your way don't work." He said, "Jimmy, we have to find a way to get you out of the way," and 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 then I got scared. I got really scared because see now we're talking about the first step is talking about powerlessness. Okay, yeah, that's okay, and unmanageability. And uh, how many else of you guys thought the first step was a run-on sentence? Man, did that fuck you up in the beginning? I'd be listening. Okay, my life is you know I'm powerless over my addiction and I'm stuck there. And then they go on talking about unmanageability and I done forgot about the addiction and now I'm thinking about how unmanageable my life is and I'm like, man, I was a mess. So I get to the second step. I believe you believe. Now I get to a third step. And now all of a sudden it says, I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to something else, over to this God, as I understand them. And I got scared. I don't know about you guys. That scared the shit out of me. That scared me beyond anything I'd ever done. I was like, wow. I remember sitting there and that, God, now I'm getting emotional again. I was sitting there that night with this guy, my sponsor, who I trusted. And, and, and I got scared and I'm thinking, where are you guys taking me? What does this mean? How, how, how am I going to feel? How am I going to act? How am I gonna, how am I gonna do, how, how, whoa, whoa. This was like I was about to get on a roller coaster. I didn't know where it was going, but I knew it was gonna be scary. And, and, and they were about to fasten that little buckle thing, you know? And, 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 and I, and I looked at Butch and I said, shit, let's go. Let's go. It's gotta be better than where I come from. It's gotta be better. It's got to be better than being broke all the time. It's got to be better than being afraid all the time. It's got to be better than not having shit. It's got to be better than not knowing how to stay clean. Can't get that needle out of my arm. I said, let's go. Let's go, man. Let's go. And I still think about that today. This has got to be better. So when it gets scary and, 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 and we start having to do some things that are uncomfortable, shit, man, I say, let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm so glad I took that third step. Because now it's none of my business. Now it's none of my business. My business is to do the next right thing. You know, people, me and my, my ex-sponsor, bless his heart, he, he, he's dead. He passed away. Uh, he died clean. And uh, Ron Shepard, great, great man, great man. And me and him would, would get into some philosophical debates, you know. And, and Ron knew the steps. Ron was a, was a wise fellow in, in Narcotics Anonymous and, and a humble guy. And I, I love Ron. And... And I, I would tell him, I said, man, I, I don't believe in self-will. People talk about self-will. I said, I don't believe in self-will. I believe that's God whooping our ass again. That's, I believe once again that we are getting directed. 
Are we being undirected? If we are being moved in a direction and we won't move, well, then we get our little asses whooped again. And so that was my take on it. So now I've turned my will and my life over to a power greater than myself. I need to learn to listen to my gut. My sponsor taught me how to do that. When my gut says, Jimmy, that might not be a good idea, I better listen to that shit. And that's what the steps take us to, is, is a new awareness. And now we get to practice these. We, we, with, the, with the three steps as a foundation, we head into a four-step. Guys, this is shit where it gets real. This is, we can't look at our character defects if we don't know we don't have them. We can't move on in this program. There was a, the, when, when they, they told me I had to four-step, I'm like, oh, shit, man. I went back up to my room and got my It Works Now and Why. I love this book. And, 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 and one of the first sentences in here that caught my attention, it says, and I love it, the solution to our problem is a profound change in our thinking and our behavior. We need to change how we perceive the world and alter our role in it. So, see, I kept getting pissed off because you wasn't doing shit right. Yeah, I kept getting pissed off because you weren't treating me right. And I kept getting pissed off because of society and that judge that sentenced me and, and that PO officer I had. And, you know, I got pissed off. Yeah, the control. Oh, that shit gets worse. Oh, man, we get we get control issues. And, and, and really... It's our perception that we have to change. Now, try to do that on your own. Go do that by yourself. Go do, oh, today I'm not going to let, you know, Joe Blow at your meeting, that fucker that pisses you off every time they share. Oh, yeah, go try to change that. Oh, today, when that idiot shares, I am not going to be affected by it until he shares about, and he shares. The second they open their mouth, get, what do we do, guys? We go to default. We go to default, you know? And then I begin to take their searching and fearless moral inventory. <laughs> then I admit to God and another human being the exact nature of their wrongs, man. I'm doing their four-step for them, huh? Yeah. So we, 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 we have to, I, I, I laugh about that, but that's the default shit that we're going to change. If, if you, and you don't have to understand the process, just do the process. If you want what we have to offer and are willing to make the effort to get it, here's, here's how you do it. And that's, when you guys said that, I was like, shit, I don't want to look at Jimmy. Hell, I want to look at this guy. Well, I can find some shit wrong over here, man. But when we take a look at our four-step, guys, all, all humor aside, we have to look at the contradictions in our head. Our behavior is contradictory to what's really going on. That's not what's really going on. And, and I don't know if that makes sense or not. And if you haven't taken a four-step, take a, take a four-step. Don't do it by yourself. Get a sponsor. I'm not going to go into all that. That's in the book. It's real clear. Talk to your sponsor. You want to take a four-step. But what I do want to talk about is what happens when we take a four-step. What happens when we take a four-step, we need to look at those resentments. I tell my I tell my sponsor, you start with the shit that pisses you off. That's easy. Easy. Write it down. Joe Blow pissed me off again. Huh? 
How about this person pissed me off again? Start writing that stuff down. Start looking for some patterns. And then we start seeing it. I said, and then what what did it affect? What did it do in you? What did it did it what did what what part of it pissed you off? You know? And and when we start looking at that, we begun to see the patterns that we go to autopilot quickly. Quickly, we go into this autopilot. Guys, I don't want to go to autopilot no more. That shit doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And, and that's what I tell my sponsees on the sixth step. Because you got to look at your character defects. You get them out of the fourth step. I'm jumping around a little bit. Let me back up. When we write down the shit that's going on in our fourth step, we have to look at our character defects, our defect in character. Why can't I let you be an asshole? You want to be an asshole? Be an asshole. It's none of my business. Why can't I let you be, uh, talk about Ander, addict alcoholic? That ain't my business. I'm a, I'm an addict. That ain't none of my business. What my business is, why can't I let you be you? You know? Why can't I let you be the guest speaker and me just shut up and listen, man? You know? He was talking about wanting to speak, speak second because he wanted to, Want to sound good, man? I was like, shit, I'm identifying with that right now, man. I'm identifying with that right now. That is my character defect. And, and, and what happened, and I'm not going to walk all through it because I want to, I want to laugh a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about some fun in recovery because the fourth step was a little bit of work. Let me tell you what I, what I, and I was afraid. Let me tell you what I was most afraid of in the fourth step. Two things. One, I didn't want to tell you about some of the things I did to get dope. Some of it was sexual. Some of it was was outside of the norm. And I didn't want you to know that shit. And you know why? It's the second reason I didn't want to take a, a fourth step. I was afraid you wouldn't love me. I was afraid you wouldn't accept me. I was afraid none of you guys had ever done that shit. Never, none of you guys, and I'm not going to, I get explicit sometimes, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I was afraid some of you guys had never done the shit that I'd done, you know. I snatched a purse one time from a little old lady. God almighty, that still bothers me, man. I was desperate. I was desperate. And I was so ashamed, you know, that I took this fucking lady's purse, man. I snatched it in the parking lot, and she was screaming. Please, please, oh my God, don't. And, 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 and so I was afraid none of you guys done shit like that and done these other things I did. And what I found out through that four step, God, now, man, I'm tripping this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm loving recovery. I'm loving, I'm, I was telling Rena that I, I, what I do, where I share, you want to see me light up? Put me in a penitentiary. Put me in a jail. Man, I get animated, man. Those guys, I come unglued. That's where I share the best. And I'm sharing at the, at the, at the county jail four Sundays ago and, and I got, I got emotional and I almost started crying. Fuck, man, I couldn't stop it. My voice was shaking and I told, it was, there was 95 guys in orange all looking at me and I told them, I said, guys, I don't want you, I don't want you to see me cry. I don't want you to see me fucking emotional. But I want to tell you what, it feels fucking good. It feels good to feel something besides fear. It feels good. It feels like I'm alive. So anyhow, what I found out through that fourth step was that I'm not perfect. I'm not. I've done some shit. I'm going to do some more. 
but I'm okay. What I found out was through all those blemishes and all those mistakes and all those behaviors that we're not proud of, that we can't stop doing, but we do them anyhow, you know, like anger, resentment, fear, all those things. <clears throat> that's the dead, that's the, that's the deadly part of this disease that I'm okay. And, and I did not know I was okay until I did that. And my sponsor had to tell me, Jimmy, you're okay. And then, and, and, and my sponsor shared with me some of the shit that he had done. My sponsor shared with me some of his fears, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden I identified and I, and I, and I, and I, I, I knew I was going to be okay. So, guys, I love Narcotics Anonymous. I love this scary process. I love it. You know, hell, I, I, I don't go to N.A. because I have to. I go to N.A. because I want to, man. I don't. I didn't come out here to this convention because, uh, you know, it was a job. I come out here because it was a vacation, man. <laughs> Fuck, I'm in Texas, man. Tejas. I, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about, uh, how long have I got? Just a couple minutes? Yeah, a couple minutes. I, I cleaned up in Texas, man. My heart and my roots are in Texas, man. Esperanza. I remember, you know, I, I, I'll tell you another little story and, I, and, and then I'll shut up and, and uh, uh, get to know you guys a little bit and get your phone number, man. How many days you got over your dad? Five days? Damn, five days. Look what five days will do for you, man. Huh? I remember when I couldn't get three days clean. So I got clean. My clean date, October 7th, 1985, B.C. B.C., huh? Anybody else before crack? Huh? I got clean before crack, guys. So I had about five months clean, four months clean. I don't know. This buzz going on in, in Fort Worth was, uh, I'd already been, they already wagged me to a, a, a regional service conference. And now all of a sudden they said, we're having a regional convention. I said, well, now what's a convention? And they were trying to explain to me what a convention was. Now, guys, I had four or five months clean, and 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 I didn't really have a job by the end. And I don't know who paid for my hotel room. I don't know who paid for my registration. I really can't remember who paid for my food on this trip. But in uh, Easter in 1986 in Austin, Texas, we had our very first Lone Star Regional Convention, the first convention in Texas, man, and I was there. And at that convention... I heard a speaker, and the speaker Saturday night had 10 years clean, and I'm sitting in that convention, five months clean, and I hear this guy that shot dope the way I shot dope. This guy dug in the carpet the way I dug in the carpet. This guy wanted to pee clean the way I wanted to pee clean, and that's when I said, I want it. I want what you guys to offer. I want what you guys have to offer. Now, today, fast forward, 29 years later, 20, it's 20 I don't know, 29 years later, Look at us again. Very first convention of San Antonio, Texas, huh? Give yourselves a hand. I'm Jimmy. I'm an addict. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Hey, I got to give both. I got to give both. Great. We're going to end the workshop. Would you mind, uh, would y'all like to join me in closing the meeting? Circle up, please, and we're going to end it with the third step. Prayer. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. I picked music for this episode about 
maybe finding a higher power, finding God, finding some spiritual path, uh, which we're encouraged to do in, in our recovery program. And we each find the God of our understanding in our own way. The first song that I chose is titled Filled with Loving Kindness, and it echoes the Buddhist tradition in inviting loving kindness as a route to wellness and wholeness for ourselves and others. And there will be a YouTube video at therecoveryshow.com slash 143. section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And I think I just want to talk about uh, one experience I had uh, this week, actually yesterday. I have been, I have a, a, a herniated disc in my neck and it causes me pain because it pinches on some nerves and there may be some arthritis involved here as well. Not, uh, based on my, my last time I went in about this. And I've been dealing with this thing for, for several decades. And every every maybe 10 years or a little bit less, uh, something flares up, it seems worse. I go to see the doctor and we do another round of x-rays and MRI and say, okay, this is where it is. Here are your options. And always in the past, I have chosen to you know, maybe adapt the way that I sit, the way that I you know, my ergonomics, um, the way that I sleep, uh, in order to, to live with it. And maybe that'll happen again this time, but uh, right now we're in the diagnosis. Uh, so I, yesterday afternoon I, I had an MRI and I've had a couple before for this same thing. And I know that lying flat on my back in the, the MRI tray where they, they slide you into the machine uh, is a position that aggravates this, this nerve problem. And so I was prepared for that, but I wasn't prepared for the level of pain that this caused me. It started out, you know, sort of achy. And as I continued to lie there, and you have to hold absolutely still, you can't move. Uh, and when I, when I get this pain, I get pain and numbness, uh, you know, during the day, just going about my activities. And I can always relieve it by tilting my head a little bit, turning my neck, uh, but I was not allowed to do that. And so the pain continued to uh, increase. And when when they ask you about pain, they say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, is it, where is it? Where, where one is like, you just barely feel it. And 10 is you're in screaming agony. And well, I wasn't screaming. So I knew it wasn't a 10, but um, there came a point where I decided maybe it was about an eight. And, and then it continued. It continued to increase as I lay there for over half an hour. And it went from aching to burning and then to stabbing and sort of involving my, my whole shoulder and upper arm with some, some pain and, and numbness coming down into my hand as well. I used some of the tools of the program to, to get through this. I mean, it's something I had to do. Uh, I want the diagnosis. I want to see, um, is it time for surgery or are there other interventions we can do that, that are not surgery? Because I'd rather not have surgery on my neck. Thank you very much. I knew I had to lie there, and I and I knew that the only thing I could do was get through it. And so, um, you know, one day at a time, I was I can get through the next minute. And they would tell me, "Okay, now it's it's we're going to do two more for five minutes." And I didn't know if they meant five minutes each or five minutes total. And then and the next one's going to be four minutes. And oh, we're sorry, there was too much motion the last time. We're going to have to do that one over for the next three minutes. And and so, okay, I only have to make it through three more minutes. And whatever comes after that, but this is the you know this is the the one day at a time. You don't look 
too far ahead. Uh, there were times when it was like, I can make it through the next breath. I can make it through the next breath. I can make it through the next breath. And I tried to use some of my meditation. In fact, I, I also have a slight cross claustrophobia. And here you are lying on your back inside a tube with this, you know, the inside of the tube is, I don't know, maybe six inches in front of my face, maybe less. And I really couldn't move very much, even if I was allowed to move. So that kind of excites my claustrophobia a little bit too. And so um, I was I was using some meditation technique of you know focusing on breath, keeping my eyes shut, and focusing on breathing. That that was not sufficient for the pain. <laughs> just say that it was not sufficient for the pain, and the pain I just felt it. I was in the moment, feeling the pain. I knew that. When it was over, the pain would go away because as soon as I was able to move my neck, it's it's not real pain. It's just like the nerve is is being pinched and it and it detects that as pain. So able to use the program to get through that thing, able to use the tools of one minute at a time, one breath at a time, uh, and and looking looking for you know the purpose that I was there. And we've talked a lot in some of our episodes about focusing on our purpose. When we're talking about traditions, talking about the primary spiritual aim or the purpose of coming to an Al-Anon meeting, and that when we focus on the purpose, it helps us to, you know, understanding um, what is appropriate or not appropriate, how what we can do, what we can't do in a particular situation, and uh, that that plus one moment at a time uh, got me through it. And uh, and then I walked out, and it was a beautiful, beautiful sunny day yesterday here. Uh, so you know, I live in Michigan, right? And it's February. And yesterday, the temperature got up to 60 degrees, and it was sunny and beautiful. And uh, I took advantage of that. I spent some time outside in the sun. I actually went for a run uh, in, a, in a local park. First first uh, run outside this year in my T-shirt. And it was very nice. And again, the program encourages me to you know, do the things that are given to me and to be grateful for what comes and to recognize the things that I can be grateful for. And I could really be grateful for the, the nice weather yesterday. Today, it's, it's not as nice. It's still above freezing, but it's, it's cloudy and a little chill. And I think we're going to go back to sort of normal February weather next week. So again, taking advantage of it while I could. Something I learned in the program. So we get some upcoming topics. Um, I think I may have a guest host for uh, the first in a series on, on the gifts of Al-Anon. Uh, also uh, putting together an episode on recovery and divorce. We welcome your thoughts. Please join the conversation. You can leave a voicemail or send an email with your feedback, your questions, your sharing, your voice in our conversation. You can leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now if you want. 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. And all of the all of these options are available on our contact page, which uh, is at therecoveryshow.com slash contact, or click on contact us in the menu at the top of each page find out about how to add your voice to our conversation, to share your experience, strength, and hope, your questions about today's topic of God of our understanding, or any of our upcoming topics or past topics. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And I already mentioned the website, therecoveryshow.com, where we have all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the music, links to other recovery podcasts and websites. 
want to take a short break before diving into the mailbag. And the second musical selection is by U2, titled Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. You've probably heard this song before. Um, it's a song about seeking and and not yet finding. Um, and there's each verse is sort of a different kind of seeking, I think. It's the way I look at it. And so here's uh, excerpts uh, near the end of the song. I have spoke with the tongue of angels. I have held the hand of a devil. I was, it was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe in the kingdom come that all the colors will bleed into one, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And sometimes it takes us a while to find a God of our understanding, to find um, a higher power that we can use to, uh, to support us, to love us, um, and to use in, in the 12th step. some email this week. Natalie writes about intimacy. Hi, Spencer and guests. Thanks for the recent podcast on intimacy. While listening, I was struck by the fact that many of us leap immediately when thinking of intimacy to sexual intimacy. My family of origin disintegrated when I was 13 due to my father's drinking and infidelity. After he left, I found myself living in a hypersexualized environment due to choices by my mother and brother, my only sibling. I was made fun of as an adult for expressing discomfort with sharing my childhood experience of witnessing their sexual encounters. I, myself, later used my sexuality for attention from time to time. Was I being hypocritical? I realize now that through all of this, there remained a lack of emotional intimacy, one that remains today with my brother and mother. I distrust them and feel no intimacy with them. Having felt betrayal from each of them, I know that setting a boundary with what I share with them keeps me sane. Luckily, through recovery, I am finding that reciprocal sharing with those trustworthy and deserving of my vulnerability is helping me to grow in intimacy. Thanks so much for tackling this prickly topic. Much to think about. Best, Natalie. And and thank you, Natalie, for sharing your experience. Um, I know it will, will touch somebody listening right now. And uh, thanks for your bravery in sharing that. Joanna writes, Hi, Spencer. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. I love the show and referred it to many fellows. Al-Anon is not my main fellowship, and I don't go often, but I relate so much to so many things you share. My dad is the son of an alcoholic, which explains why he's a sociopath. My mom has been emotionally unavailable my whole life, even though she seems to fake it well. In regards to the upcoming topic of divorce, as the daughter of a very dysfunctional marriage, I usually tell people to not stay together because of kids. Kids don't deserve this kind of pressure or example. I believe parents should teach kids to be happy. My parents were married for 30 years, and my resentment is that they did not divorce before. When they finally did, I was 27, and the pressure was immense. Both me and my brother had to get involved, and it is like my parents became our kids. So complicated. I guess this may or may not be relevant, but I also wanted to suggest a topic. Once I started in my 12-step program, I started finding out about many others, which have been very helpful. I would like to hear about other people's experiences and learn more about other programs. I currently go to DA, SLAA, and CODA, and should probably go to OA, but have no time. So that's my suggestion. Thanks again. Thank you, Joanna, for sharing your experience as a child of a, of a dysfunctional marriage. That's valuable to hear. We have talked about doing a program where people share about their experience being in Al-Anon and in another program and how, how they make that work. Yeah, thanks. 
One of our listeners wrote of her experience with the effects of alcoholism on intimacy for her. Hi, Spencer. Thanks so much for your courage and honest sharing on the Intimacy Podcast. You really hit the nail on the head, re three aspects of how intimacy and trust are damaged during my marriage to an alcoholic. First, re-sex itself. Toward the end of my marriage, to met the primary alcoholic in my life, I had sex with him every two weeks. I initiated it, not out of love or desire or any other positive reason. It was simply functional. Less than every two weeks, and I found he was even more difficult and unpleasant than usual. Second, the distancing and closing off. I stayed open to him for so long. I took to heart everything he said, took it as the truth, was hurt, and then, because of my insecurity and lack of self-esteem, often fought back with anger and very ugly screaming matches. It is terrible to think of my children growing up in that home. I remember visualizing it as if I had doors on my chest that opened to my heart and he was throwing spears at it. Finally, one day, the doors closed. I just couldn't trust him anymore. When the spears did not find their mark, he commented on it, how I seemed distant and he couldn't tell what I was thinking or felt. I consciously chose to stay shut off. It was the safest thing I could do as far as I could tell at the time. Everything was very extreme. There were only two choices. I didn't know or see that there were middle-of-the-road options. While I have been able to heal my relationship with him to some extent, I have never been able to trust him or open up to him on anything more than a superficial level. Third, I also had an affair during that marriage. There are extenuating circumstances and reasons, of course, but the truth of it is, I should never have made that choice. The intimacy offered by another, especially during the magical time when you are falling for each other, is hard to resist and feels so nourishing after spending time in the desert. But in looking back, I think I needed to either choose, as you did, to re-engage in my marriage and work at making it grow, which I did later after the affair, or get out of the marriage. But an affair was definitely not the right answer. These are my experiences during my marriage. Why am I writing? Maybe only to let others know that they are not alone in what they are going through. And to know that when you work the program, possibilities open up that I never considered. In growing, I no longer react to the world and to things other people say to me in the same way. While I am not with my first husband, if for some reason I had stayed with him, I truly believe Al-Anon would have made it a very different, tolerable, and even positive relationship. As it is, I use the Al-Anon principles in all my current relationships with coworkers, family, children, and partners. I cannot imagine the person I would be, nor the relationships I would now have, if I had not been in the Al-Anon rooms and working the program over the years. Take care, and thanks to you and your co-hosts, with love of a very special kind. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your painful and intimate experiences. I think it helps to make the rest of us understand that you know, we are not horribly unique or uniquely horrible, um, that others have gone through the same feelings, the same actions. Um, I, can, I can connect just so well to your, your words here. Uh, the intimacy offered by another is hard to resist and feels so nourishing after spending time in the desert. Uh, and I, I totally connect with that. So thank you for sharing. And Lori wrote, Hi, Spencer. I just wanted to say how much The Recovery Show has strengthened my own recovery journey. The first episode I listened to was episode 78, Stay or Go. When I first came to Al-Anon about two years ago, I was most afraid that I would be told I should leave my current relationship. Nothing could be farther from the truth. What I heard then, and in your own share on this episode, was that I don't have to make a decision about anything until I'm ready. This has been the foundation for my recovery. 
The simple acceptance of the truth that my higher power doesn't ask anything of me before I am able to hear it has been the key to my freedom, my restoration to sanity, and priceless serenity. Thank you for your commitment to this podcast and to lasting recovery. I share the show every chance I get. I would love to be a co-host sometime. I appreciate your honest transparency. You have helped more people than you know. In gratitude, Laurie. Thank you for those kind words. I'm always grateful to hear that my experience maybe helps uh, somebody else in, in their own recovery. So, a little bit of news on the website. It seems that people are still having trouble with the CAPTCHA feature for making comments and have been unable to leave comments. And so I have disabled the the CAPTCHA for now. I'm going to keep an eye on the rate of spam comments, and if that gets too high, I'm going to have to put something back. I also want to thank Patty, who wrote to me and offered some WordPress help, and I may be um, getting in touch with you about that. Thanks. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Jonathan did, and thank you again, Jonathan. We've put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it is recommending the show to a friend, send them to therecoveryshow.com, and including just listening to us. We are here for you. The last song that I picked is the song Amazing Grace is performed by Leanne Rhymes. This is a an a cappella performance in a church with a wonderful, wonderful reverb to it. Uh, and she just, she belts that song out so beautifully. Uh, you're undoubtedly familiar with the song. It's a song about um, finding redemption through the God of the songwriter's understanding just as the God of our understanding, our higher power, can help us to find recovery. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.